Hi, I'm Hannah Durden and you're listening to the Outdoors Group podcast. This podcast is a call to arms to get children and young people outside again. It's your one-stop shop for all things outdoor, child, young person and education related. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Kendall. Sam's the head of school learning at the Eden Project and has been a member of the Eden Schools team since it opened in 2001. She's taught in schools in Bristol, Cornwall, Karachi, which you'll have to tell me if I've pronounced that right in a second, Sam, and South Africa prior to joining Eden and has recently completed an MSc in Environment and Human Health. She's joined me today to talk about the educational work that the Eden Project does and in particular their new programme that supports early career teachers. Thanks for joining me, Sam. Oh, thanks for having me, Hannah. Pleasure to think, be here. Okay. I think I might have uh, bum, bungled that pronunciation as well. I was trying to practice it before I came on. Karachi? Karachi. There we go. Um, so I'll start. Um, while a lot of our listeners will have heard of the Eden Project, particularly those who are local, we do have listeners from further afield. So if you could just take a moment to explain what the project is and what it does, that'd be great. Yeah, of course. So the Eden Project is uh, it's a charity. Uh, it's a global movement and we are working with people and with nature to respond to the planetary emergency. Um, what that looks like is, uh, ex- well, at the moment, one extraordinary place in Cornwall, but uh, soon to be not the only Eden Project, <laughs> fingers crossed, um, which is a visitor attraction. So uh, people come here for an enjoyable and hopefully educational day out uh, with their friends and family. And that is that place, this place in Cornwall, where I am I'm speaking to you from now, is a China clay quarry, was a China clay quarry that was coming towards the end of its economic life um, and uh, was 25 years ago, a big, white, wet, muddy hole. Um, <laughs> And so that's a really important part of our story is um, that sense of transformation, because what we've got here now is one of the biggest greenhouses in the world, which contains a tropical rainforest and tells stories of plants and people and places uh, from all those tropical regions of the world. There's a Mediterranean biome, uh, so very familiar to lots of us from sunny Mediterranean holidays. and full of, again, full of stories and plants. Uh, there's grapes, there's olives, there's date palms, all that kind of stuff in there. Um, and all set within this great big um, outdoor gardens, global garden as well. So yeah, so th- this place in Cornwall tells the story of people's fundamental relationship with nature and aims to reconnect people uh, with nature through the medium of plants, if you like, so through the plants that we all use every single moment of every single day. And we're so kind of surrounded by them that we're kind of we're we're plant blind. We're nature blind, aren't we? You know, that every time you take a breath, every time you put a piece of food in your mouth, every time you take a drink, um, that plants and the natural world are part of that story. So um, this place is a kind of a great big exercise in disguise removing, I suppose, yeah. to show people um, how you are, however urban and 21st century you are, you are still fundamentally part of, not apart from the natural world. And um, that's one really, really good reason that we should be doing a better job of looking after it. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, so you've been with Eden since they opened in 2001, so quite a long time now. What made you want to join the team? Was there something in particular that made you go, oh, right, I've got to be part of that? Um, yeah, so I, Eden started, I was in my kind of late 20s and I was teaching um, in Bristol, but I'm from Cornwall, so I was brought up here. So there's, there's there was a Cornwall thing, but also I've had two sort of in my career, such as it is, there's been kind of two key strands and that's education. I've always been involved in particularly children's education, teaching and learning um, and environment and outdoors and connection to nature. And so when I kind of heard of the Eden Project and it was, you know, or this snippet of an idea and it was in my home place of Cornwall, I was like, oh, maybe maybe there was a plan to all of those things I've been doing. Perhaps it all makes sense. And then um, one very damp winter, damp new year, in fact, in uh, the late 90s, I spent uh, new year volunteering at the Lost Gardens of Heligan, which were at that point still lost. They weren't the, you know, rediscovered glorious things they are now. They were glorious and romantic in a different way. And... um, they wheeled out the big boss to come and inspire the damp chilly volunteers, which was <laughs> Tim Smith. Um, and he is, he's incredibly charismatic. And basically I was sort of, you know, at that point I was like, oh, where do I sign? How do I get involved with this? And that was even before Eden was even a thing. So yeah, when I kind of heard Eden, environment, education, Cornwall, and this bloke that I'd heard speaking um you know a couple of years before was was one of the key co-founders of it um I kind of made it my business to get involved yes <laughs> ticked all the boxes for you obviously yeah <laughs> um so over the last 20 years you must have done quite a lot of different things with Eden as as it's kind of developed and changed what are some of the highlights and also what is your role involved now Okay, so yeah, two questions. So my role now is I am head of school learning at the Eden Project. Um, So I look after a team that delivers all of our school education and engagement um, linked to our mission, which is that working with nature to respond to the planetary emergency. So, um, you know, we've got a pretty broad palette of topics and curriculum areas to play in, but all linked to, um, you know, what does a more regenerative way of living and being on this planet look like for all of us? So we run schools programs. So we have, you know, um, hundreds, sometimes thousands of children and young people a week come and get wow. engaged with those um programs which link to curriculum link to our mission and link to the opportunities for learning here Um, and then we also do lots of work enabling teachers and schools to shift and evolve the way that they're doing their teaching and learning to being a more nature centered outdoor led way of being so all linked to the curriculum that's kind of our Uh, A particular thing of ours is that we're interested in how you can create learning opportunities for all the children all the time that are connected to outdoors. So we run training courses, uh, we create resources, we work with schools occasionally in a kind of quite a grand way on a whole 
rethinking of their outdoor landscape and their approach to teaching and learning outdoors, but all spiraling around that um, opportunities to build our relationship with and become better stewards of the natural world. Yeah. Um, so that's what I do now. Um, and that's been my role for, although it's expanded and developed and now I'm also involved in Eden Project Morecambe, which is half funded. Uh, yeah. And we've been doing lots of work with our colleagues in China, developing the programs for Eden Project Qingdao as well. Um, and the highlights have been many. I, I sometimes say, you know, things that would have been like a once or twice a career opportunity in school come round pretty frequently here. And it, but it's really it's all about the people. And you know, so part partly my highlight isn't really a highlight because it's every day. I'm super proud of my team and the work that we do every day, and it's a pleasure, you know coming to work and doing that good work as part of a brilliant team of people and also I really love this the diversity of people and opportunities that that kind of Eden name brings in you yeah. know so actually I don't just work with people who have a really similar skill set to me I get to work with all kinds of different people with all kinds of expertise and I really really love that yeah um it's kind of an extension of learning, I guess, because you can learn from them and they can learn from you, which is just that kind of absolutely. life. Journey, absolutely. And, our, you know, if I was going to kind of summarise, try and encapsulate our role as a team, we're not we're expert educators. We're not experts on horticulture or, you know, we're all right on sustainability. But, you know, actually, we our, our role is to kind of hoover up those stories and those narratives from Eden and its projects and its partners and then bundle them into meaningful learning opportunities yeah. for our audiences that we really know a lot about yeah oh it just sounds fantastic <laughs> it's not, not too shabby and also working somewhere really beautiful is really incredible and not a thing you know when it's kind of like oh when you're doing the what would you like your career to involve nobody mentions that but actually that's a real bonus coming yeah, to work somewhere yeah. physically really beautiful you know yeah. my um kids did one of your uh workshops which is like a cocoa kind of chocolate one and th they loved it we were all just absolutely blown away it was a yeah such a brilliant workshop a couple yeah. years ago um so um and I did I did get to meet Ray Mears and I have clapped eyes on Sir David Attenborough so you know in terms of uh, wow that is awesome <laughs> I know I know and you actually you've had like I know it's not in the education side but you've had a lot of famous rock stars and musicians and stuff at Eden as well over the last oh, few yeah. years yeah 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 I don't I don't get to hang out with them but I have seen a few <laughs> great gigs here as well yeah it must be such an amazing venue for um for live music yeah also the um the arena is on a slight gradient and I'm quite short so I can actually usually <laughs> find a spot see. where I can actually see the artist in question as well which is always nice change. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so if we go back to education although I could talk about music for ages as well but that's probably another podcast um how have you found that kind of nature-based learning learns with young people that might not have experienced this kind of thing before um so 
I think you you need to slightly um, frame that by nature based learning done well. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's one of the things is that um, and the reason that you know my my team are are all teachers is actually our focus is on creating really brilliant learning opportunities yes. with and we sometimes talk about that being in nature about nature from nature for nature yeah. um you know so there's a huge array of possibilities there mm. and um we have the advantage of novelty as well yeah. which is great because you know we're not uh, the children and young people's regular teachers and we've also got this really amazing kind of backdrop and setting to do yeah. the work um, so if you do if you get all of the other things right then nature will also do its job and do yeah. the magic you know because um, there is so much there so many possibilities um, to provoke curiosity um, to create connection to give children and young people opportunities to you know be agents of their own learning and to some degree their own destiny um so yeah it it works yeah. when you do it right it totally yes. works yeah um, actually, that's a really good point about doing it right I spoke to uh someone the other day who was talking about a school where they'd been doing bug hunts every year from reception to year six but when they dialed down they found that they weren't progressing or doing anything different so you think by the point time you've got to year six and you're given these bug pots again to go into the grounds that are like you know just a few scrubby trees you're probably thinking oh like again like honestly so yeah I guess that done right is the key isn't yeah. it yeah with the same diligence in terms of you know progression and assessment mm. and differentiation that you would apply to any other kind of yeah. learning as a you know a serious person yeah. um we also we use all the time uh, an approach that we've kind of dubbed story inspired learning or story led learning okay. so we use and it's a um uh an evolution of um earth education ideas actually but the idea that you use a story or a narrative as a hook for the learners so yeah. you know we know that um oh hang on I'll go on to that point um <laughs> so yeah there's always there's always a reason and a purpose to be doing it yeah. and so you know your your kids who came and did the chocolate workshop that's all about becoming chocologists. And if you yeah. can complete the challenge and find out the information um, and report back in a certain way, then you you've successfully completed your chocologist challenge. But we use that idea and we use it all the way through up into, you know, A level and even with university groups and beyond. Obviously, they're they're different stories, yeah. but particularly in a place like this where you only get to meet children and young people a really short amount of time, mm. we find that hook in to learning really really important um and also i think there's there's a thing about um what else what are the young people learning other than just information about yeah. nature um you know and and 
what are they learning in terms of their skills? What are they learning in terms of values, which is a really important kind of driver and structure for the programs that yeah. we create as well. You know, the, the bigger picture is who are the sorts of learners, the sorts of people who are going to become future stewards of this amazing planet that we live yeah. on, you know, and, and that's not just about the facts and information they know, that's about, you know, a whole holistic yeah. bit of thinking about what what kinds of people they are. Yeah. yeah. And do you find, do you, I'm guessing you have quite a broad range of kids from all over the place coming. It's not obviously not just local local kids coming to the school. Uh, coming yeah. to the site. So pre for, for a day trip, there's a kind of Penzance to Exeter sort yeah. of. Yeah, it's a bit far otherwise. Up to Bude. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, when you're in more time on the coach than at the attraction, it's a bit annoying, yeah. I think. Um, prior to the pandemic, we had a youth hostel on site and we had children oh, cool. and young people from all over the place. Yeah. But still, people are, you know, often groups who are down on a residential as in Cornwall will come yeah. um, to visit us here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a, a real diversity. And also, you know, the that that um, just because children and young people live in Devon and Cornwall doesn't necessarily mean that they've got a particularly naturey or outdoor life you know there's, no, that's there's true. yeah I there's plenty that. of examples you know of of opportunities not being taken to go and engage with that stuff which maybe is a little bit closer but actually if you haven't got a car for example hmm. in Devon and Cornwall it can be incredibly difficult to access opportunities yeah. Yeah, that's true. I spoke to some uh, people that work on Dartmoor recently and they bring school groups up from Plymouth and they were saying that in these school groups, often you've only got two out of 30 that have ever been to Dartmoor before. And I thought, well, the proximity is so close. But they said, well, it's, you know, the parents have got a car, the parents know where to go. So actually, yeah, you're right. It's not it's not a given that you you love and know nature just because you live in a very beautiful no, area. No, of the world. There are children in Cornwall who haven't been to the beach. Which is yeah. just mind blowing, isn't it? When yeah. you think that people come from all over the world for the Cornish beaches. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'd, I'd written a question about your previous experience of teaching, but now I'm looking at it. I'm not sure exactly what how I've worded it is right. But I guess really I'd just like to think about how how you see it now compared to like your previous experiences. Were you working kind of mainstream schools before you came to Eden? Uh, yeah, so I worked in, I did some slightly crazy, before I was <laughs> qualified, I, I volunteered in, in a school in Pakistan and a school in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and and then I taught and I worked in mainstream just for three yeah. years after I did my PGCE. Okay. Um, so yeah, Eden, this slightly sideways perspective on... Uh, on teaching and learning has been my main experience yeah do you think the people that I mean obviously as you said you have got the novelty factor at Eden but do you think generally speaking the way that you guys do it is more engaging than what they might get in a classroom and if so like why do you think that might be um I think I think we've got loads playing to us to help us be more engaging there's that novelty thing and I, and you know and loads of engaging learning happens in a gazillion classrooms around yes, the place course. all yeah, the time obviously yeah. but um we've got an incredibly passionate group of teachers who are kind of 
fresh all the time because we've yeah. got that sort of slight it's a bit of a theatre show as you know yeah. there's a mix between acting and teaching almost um we build in there's a physical thing I think a lot of classrooms have got incredibly static and we seem to have forgotten that children's brains exist in their bodies um and so we make sure that we build in lots of physical as well as the kind of intellectual and then we've got this incredible sensory experience of you know being in these different different spaces it's beautiful it's colorful there's the sound of the waterfall yeah. in the rainforest so i think the 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 opportunities for us to create a really holistic and therefore much more likely that something that you're doing is going to meet something in each of the children in front of you yeah it's kind of right there for yeah. us you know and so I guess actually what you're just saying about uh remembering that children need to move and um like having a good sensory environment is that so I'm going to move on to your the program that you guys are doing, uh, doing uh, to support early career teachers so um I will well, maybe I'll come back to that in a second actually I was going to say those are the kinds of things that you might mention on that program but then I thought well actually let's talk about what the program is first <laughs> so obviously um we know there's a high dropout rate for new teachers and you guys are trying to work to help these teachers reconnect with why they entered the profession so yeah let's start at the beginning and you can explain what the program so, is so we um had an incredibly incredible opportunity initiated by a really visionary multi-academy trust called the learning in harmony trust who have um schools that modest size mat with primary and special schools in london east london and south end and they approached us probably a couple of years ago to say to talk about their covid cohort of early career teachers and exploring whether there was something we could do together to really kind of um, lift up this cohort um, and it took us a, a couple of years to figure it out but in December they bought a cohort of 16 early career teachers to Eden Project for the weekend and the aim there was a kind of three part three stranded approach to the thing really so one was a real focus an unashamed focus on well-being on really celebrating the work that these ECTs have done and are doing on allowing them to bond as a group because they hadn't had you know they had had very little in-person time as a group because pandemic da, da, da. Um, and you know just to shower them with love and loveliness it was Christmas at Eden the lights were on the weather was amazing um, so there was that then the um, second strand was really about uh, a coaching focused approach so the colleague that I run it with Alex Bell is uh, from Portland Education is an ex-head teacher school leadership coach um, and that was really really focused on their why of being in the profession so wh what we what we decided is that the early career framework does a great job on kind of what and how of teaching but that perhaps there's not loads of opportunity to connect and reconnect with your purpose and your why of being in the profession 
and we wonder we you know we haven't done the uh, randomized control trial on this by any stretch of the imagination whether actually that connection with your purpose might be the thing that keeps you moving forward when when it gets tough and it yeah. is you know it's a hard demanding job yeah um so we spent lots of time just you know working in um individually and in small groups and in conversation focused on that and then the third strand was as you just suggested grown from eden's why so yeah. that was all about nature focused curriculum linked outdoor learning and the bigger picture of learning for sustainability um but that that weirdly isn't the kind of core drive of the program yeah. it's not come to eden and learn how to be a nature and sustainability focused teacher yeah. um that was a, a, an opportunity to share our why and also yeah. for you know it was really valuable and real news for for some of these these teachers who I think, you know, it's it's maybe the case that there are teachers entering the profession who haven't had that kind of teaching and learning experience as learners. Yeah. You know, they're kind of national curriculum generation children mm. um, who have had this kind of relatively linear um straight kind yeah. of experience of the education system so so yeah so so that was really and so we we did lovely things like making lamps and writing nature color inspired poetry and that kind of thing yeah. um alongside it well, and <laughs> it was really powerful um there's a little film on on youtube that i'm sure we can share in the notes um but yeah, and I th and I think as well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in in other professions, it's completely legitimate the idea that you should pour some love into your new entrants to kind of inspire them to bond and connect to their career and stay in the profession. Um, and it's really not expected that we would do that for our early I'm career teachers. Yeah. And I'm interested in that so what what counts as an early career teacher like how newly qualified do they have to be if that makes sense um so ect early career teacher was nqt so your first year and then you also get ect plus ones as well yeah, so the early career teacher framework the government's framework wraps up that first two years okay. um in the classroom and so it's the aim to hopefully run these regularly these weekends so uh, Learning in Harmony Trust have booked for their next cohort next year. Brilliant. They're going to be building, uh, bringing a slightly bigger cohort, which is really exciting. Um, and then we've got conversations with various people with different multi-academy trusts. And also we're exploring how to, how to, we're, we're trying to fundraise for it so that we yeah. can make it as a, either an open course that people from, you know, lots of different mats and schools could come to yeah. um or or somehow like heavily subsidize it um, yeah. so yeah that's one of the jobs on the to-do list at the moment mm -hmm. is making it do some financially raising. appealing for people and so where do they stay when they come down do they stay within eden or nearby we haven't really got any accommodation at the moment so they stayed at the premier inn okay um but we had yeah we went yeah. ice skating and had um 
pasties and cream teas at Eden's as oh, part amazing. of the thing. <laughs> Did yes, some yoga in the biomes, that kind of thing. That's cool. Oh, I can't imagine how amazing that would be. It'd be like that sweaty yoga, wouldn't it, if you did it in the uh, rain? Right. We got in one. early. We got in early in <laughs> December. It was fine. It was Before absolutely it was fine. <laughs> so how did that first weekend go? What kind of was the feedback you were getting from the uh, teachers that had attended? Um, it was really positive. Yeah. They properly loved it. They felt the love, which was great because that was what we intended. And they really valued being valued, feeling valued, um, and they really valued the opportunity to be away from work, but thinking about work. I always yeah. find that really useful when I go to a conference or something. I don't know about you, you know, being in a sort of work head, but not at work. Yeah. You always have yeah. good thoughts. And so they definitely found that to be the case. Um, yeah. And at the moment, yeah, we're probably due a little review with them. We've sent them their postcards that they wrote themselves um, and their daffodils that they planted whilst they were here are coming up. But we're probably due a little check in kind of three months later. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Such a brilliant idea to. uh, Yeah. And I think you're right, because you hear lots of private companies doing like away days and team days and stuff where the yeah the focus is on bonding and well-being and things but yeah we don't hear about that for people in public service do we um and for teachers they just kind of get thrown in there and get on with it and what they do is so hard so yeah so lovely that you guys are doing something to kind of nurture them yeah it was it was a real pleasure um Alex, my co-facilitator and I, facilitator and I both felt like um, we sort of we chucked all of our between us, you know, 50 years of facilitation, wisdom <laughs> and experience at it. And it really yeah. it's it's rare and really wonderful when you run something like that for the first time. And at the end of it, you're kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't really, you know, I maybe would have got the cream. I would have put my jam on first on my scone, but that's basically <laughs> the level of, you know, tweaking yeah. that you're doing for the thing. Then, um, yeah, we were we were chuffed. Excellent. Sounds like you're definitely onto a good thing. <laughs> um, I know you're a very busy lady, um, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. But before I go to my last three questions, was there anything else you wanted to tell us today that we haven't kind of talked about? Um. I guess watch this space in Eden Project Morecambe. So I I don't know if any of your listeners saw the announcement that as part of the levelling up funding, um, Eden Project Morecambe was granted £50 million, which is half of the money you need to build an Eden Project these days. Um, So that's tremendously exciting. There's been huge amounts of work going on already with schools and the college and the university in Lancaster and Morecambe um, developing what they're calling the Morecambe Bay curriculum which is a kind of place-based curriculum for sustainability for their place so we're really excited about the opportunity to to work more closely there um and sorry well they have greenhouses at that one as well like uh, they are so the the underpinning mission about connection with nature in response to the planetary emergency is the same yeah. but the narrative the story will be about the rhythms of nature so informed okay. by the kind of the tides and the cycles yeah. of 
the bay and uh the design looks it's kind of they look like muscle giant mussel shells oh cool. yeah so yeah very exciting. cool um and also we've got one of our teacher training opportunities coming up in march as well okay. uh which is an online outdoor learning course over four afternoons called leaders in outdoor learning um, oh, and yeah people who've done it have spoken really highly of both the content but also the sense of being part of a really supportive community of practice as well yeah. so Definitely. yeah and we've already got uh we've got some schools from the Morecambe Bay area involved and uh a school in Kenya sending a couple of teachers on that as That's well awesome. so we should have a really interesting group of participants for that brilliant oh well I'll put that in the show notes as well if there's a link somewhere cool uh, yeah I'll send you the link brilliant um so uh finally just before we go because it's a nice way to end I've got just three questions to ask and the first one is how do you relax um in motion outdoors <laughs> what a great answer walking cycling swimming yoga yeah yeah and then if I'm okay. not in motion I'm sat outside our van drinking yeah. tea excellent perfect answer <laughs> and uh, what are you reading or listening to right now so that could be music or podcasts or um I'm reading a, a really interesting book by a man an academic called Richard Layard called can we be happier okay and the premise is that GDP is a really rubbish single metric to have to judge the success of your country on basically yeah. um and so his his premise is that happiness um being a more useful world than well-being because you can't be well-being uh, or you know that kind of thing but you can yeah. be happier uh that what would it look like if we took happiness i.e total population well-being as our metric and what would different sectors you know what would teachers do what would health professionals do yeah. what would economists do if happiness was our single kind of unifying metric rather than gdp it's oh, really interesting really interesting yeah it sounds really interesting is it quite an easy read or is it quite it is it's a surprisingly accessible read it's okay. quite fat but it's okay yeah excellent awesome and finally why is being outdoors important to you um i think so i am both nosy and fidgety so outdoors is the best place for me to be to fulfill my uh my fidgeting and moving and curiosity needs yeah. excellent because there's always something there's, there's always, always something, something interesting always in nature something to pick up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent well thank you so much for your time today sam i've really appreciated it and i've really enjoyed chatting to you no absolute pleasure thanks for your time too yeah, you're really welcome Another massive thank you to Sam from the Eden Project for coming to talk to us all about the educational work that the Eden Project does with children, with schools, with teachers, with educational professionals. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting to Sam and I hope that those of you listening enjoyed listening to it just as much. 
Um, so here we are, we're on the third season of the Outdoors Group podcast and I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's listened to us so far and anyone that's got in touch to talk to us about the podcast. We really appreciate it. As always, um, we would love it if you would like the podcast, rate it, subscribe, share, share it with your friends just so that more people can find us. Um, we'll be back in a fortnight with a really, really awesome conversation with Dr. Naomi Fisher. Um, so I really hope you'll tune back in for that. And until then... Thanks for listening.